Hello and welcome to Patients at Risk. I'm Dr. Rebecca Bernard and I'm joined tonight by my co-host and the co-author of our book, Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician in Healthcare, Dr. Naran Al-Ajba. Hey, good evening. And I'm also joined by a very special guest tonight, Shannon Keeney. She is a nurse practitioner, and she's here to tell her story and her thoughts on nurse practitioners in the workforce. Shannon, welcome, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. So, Shannon, you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yes. Um, I actually started out in the medical field um, as a CNA, worked in a nursing home, became an LPN while I was in nursing school, worked um, for 10 years as a critical care nurse in the ICU, and just graduated this last May um, from Georgetown University with my master's degree, and now I'm a family nurse practitioner. So Shannon, you attended what we call a lot of times a brick and mortar school. Can you explain what that is and how that differs from some of the newer online programs that you're seeing? Yes. So um, a brick and mortar school is an established university um, that you attend on campus or they offer through their university that's established a distance learning program. There is a difference between an online program and distance learning through the university itself. Um, so I actually had to attend campus as well as perform online, you know, as far as our classes, they were actually via Zoom where we spoke with our professors and, and interacted with our classmates for lectures. But we would also have to attend uh, university on campus for exams and whatnot. How long did it take you to get your nurse practitioner degree? Two years. And were you able to work at the same time? Uh, no. <laughs> I know that there are um, programs Maybe that... at most two days a month. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your concerns and what you're seeing and some of the experiences that you've had with students that have graduated from some of the online programs. Um, I actually attended um, some clinical rotations um, in which alarm bells went off. Um, some of these online programs are basically diploma mills. Um, they are basically attending clinicals, but they're not being supervised to make sure that they're attending by their university. They're not being followed closely in their documentation. Um, I've had physicians complain that they haven't even heard from the university, that uh, most brick and mortar schools require the physician or the precepting MP um, to submit a CV and do a background check for checking their status on the prospective boards, regulatory boards, and that's not happening. I've had um, students that I've been in rotations with that admit that they have open book tests um, and they're still failing the boards. Even so, what with you're, so what you're saying, when you say open book test, that means that they can basically look things up while they're having an examination. They don't yes. have to have information memorized. Absolutely. And I was, as an MP student, I was mortified because I know that my university held us to very high standards. 
um, it, it, it was mortifying for me as well. It's, it's embarrassing when you hear a physician that you're in rotations with express concerns that the MP profession is going in this direction. And I also hear other mid-levels. I know here we call them mid-levels. Some places refer to us as APPs. Um, they're also basically, I, I want to make sure I'm not saying this in a terrible way, my apologies, but it, it's being said that nurse practitioners can just go online and get a degree now. And that's and, not something that you ever imagined being the case, I'm sure, when you started out your career. No, absolutely not, because um, nursing school is quite rigorous. And um, to, to think that being a provider, you can just go online and, and take, you know, online exams with open books. I, I, and we're supposed to be about patient safety. I, how can we do this? It's did, you know, did you know about these schools and these kinds of other, like, less rigorous options for nurse practitioners before you were on rotation with other students? Or, or did you learn about it kind of while you were working in the field? I heard of some of these schools. I will not mention any names. And I absolutely refuse to even be associated with it. Um, I how, about the, only, how about the students? Had you ever come across any of the other students from these schools until yes. actually? Okay. Yes. And I, I was actually, before NP school, I had completed pre-med. I was looking to apply to medical school. I was getting ready to sit for my MCATs and decided that I had, had turned 40 and I just, I didn't want to do it, point blank. I didn't want to finish when I was close to 50 years old. Well, that's understandable. I mean, it's such a long course and it's so expensive it as well. It's a marathon, yeah. So you actually have expressed um, to me and to other people that you really feel much more comfortable as a nurse practitioner working closely with a physician and that you don't really think that nurse practitioners should be practicing autonomously. Can you talk a little bit more about your feelings on that? Yes, I, I cannot understand how the nurse practitioner community thinks that it's okay at this juncture when we have diploma mills putting out nurse practitioners that are not going through these rigorous programs, that they are ready to step out and practice right out of school even. Some of them haven't even been nurses for that long and think it's okay to go and care for patients in a primary care setting unsupervised. It's it, patient safety. There, there's no way that I am ready for that. And I can't anticipate in five years I would even be ready for that. I, I just, I, I don't see how patients gain anything from this. Well, you know, you, even you, as, go ahead, Naran. Well, I was just wondering, do you think your perspective is a little bit different because you've been an ICU nurse? A number of ICU nurses, which, which I consider really the top, you know, group as far as seeing uh, some some difficult cases. You know, when you've worked in an yes. ICU, I think you see things that go wrong in primary care. And yes. you end up seeing either mistakes or you see how severely sick patients can be. So a lot of my own um, colleagues that are ICU nurses say very similar things that you're saying. Do you think that your yes. background work has maybe informed that opinion uh, differently? Or what do you think 
It, is. it has made me aware that human beings are complicated and that there's an intense amount of education that you must receive to autonomous, autonomously care for these patients. And even in primary care where you are the eyes and ears and supposed to be focusing on prevention, you have to be able to catch things that are wrong. And I am aware of what I don't know. I'm, I'm aware. I've been in that position where you're, you're like, oh my goodness. And I, I just cannot advocate for MPs to be autonomous. I, I, I can't. You know, it's something that I think about every day. I've been practicing medicine for 18 years and went through medical education and residency. And I'm still a little bit scared every single day. I still look things up every single day and up to date. So I can't imagine what it must feel like to be placed in a situation where you have to be in charge when you really don't have the background and the education and the experience. And it yeah. seems to me like a lot of corporations are putting nurse practitioners in this situation that they don't necessarily want to be in. Have you observed anything like that? Um, I, I have seen this happen in medicine. Um, they are utilizing nurse practitioners more. Um, and quite frankly, it's to save money. I mean, the, that's the direction it goes in. It's, it's like um, we're having sicker patients in hospitals, can't fill the positions with RNs, so we're gonna put less trained LPNs. And, and, that's, and that's where I get into when, you know, nurse practitioners tend to get a little bit um, offended on this subject. And my opinion will not be popular amongst my peers. But when you have a registered nurse that has at least four years of university, um, you know, two years, or even if you go to a community college, it's going to take you four years to even get an associate's degree because it's two years prerequis prerequisites, two years of nursing school. Um, compare that to an LPN that gets one year of training. There is a difference. I don't care if the LPNs say I can do whatever an RN can do. The training is not the same. I received much more training as a registered nurse and as a licensed practical nurse. Therefore, I worked in critical care areas. Um, it's, it's the same thing as nurse practitioners or PAs in comparison to physicians, you know? And it's, it's not that I want us to feel that we're inadequate. It's a different level of training. It was never meant to replace a physician it, it, and it shouldn't be used as such. We're, we were, in essence, physician extenders. And that's not and a very popular opinion uh, no. by some in the field. And, and I want to applaud your bravery for speaking out because I know there are others that feel this way, but there's a lot of fear and anxiety of repercussions about speaking out. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And what is it that makes you so brave that you can say what you believe is the truth? Because I think nurse practitioners are worth more than what we are presenting ourselves as. We have value. Um, we don't have to try to equal or supersede the education of the physician to have value. We, we're intelligent beings. We, sh we have so much to offer patients. They're, the nursing model is a great model, it truly is. But what we're doing, we're going in a bad direction. First of all, we're offending physicians. We're offending PAs. This is not good. We all need to work together, team up, and take care of these patients. I, I just can't stand for this. And 
one of the concerns that I feel that nurse practitioner um, groups should be focused on is the fact that we're putting out mediocre uh, nurse practitioners from these diploma mills because it's all about money at this point. And I know professors that want to speak out about this subject. They're, they're appalled at what's going on. And quite frankly, I don't even know the full credentialing process. But whatever process it is, it's not working. It's not working. The, this is ridiculous. What, what would you say if I asked you, because everything you're saying is really, I mean, I completely agree with, uh, you know, I think nurse practitioners have a real value to the system. And I think there are so many things um, that, that they can do that are such a credit to their education and to their mm -hmm. abilities, because you're right. They're very smart uh, people. They get an education. They, if they, there's, there's a certain scope that I think when they're trained to do it, are, they're, I'm not. And I guess my question is, what would you ideally like to see if you were designing the system? Well, <laughs> um, I would like to see the physician lead medicine the way it used to be. Um, and I don't mean going backwards into the old hierarchical system. I, I feel that that was pretty harsh, but the team approach and to have a team, you have to have a leader. You look at law, okay? the leader is usually the judge and then you have the lawyers then you have paralegals the paralegals don't lead the same as in medicine it goes by years of education it's it's a given and it's not that no one has anything to offer that's not a physician my goodness we all do but this is where it needs to be it doesn't need to be an mba leading either okay and i'm going to add that in there and this is one of the reasons why nurses are leaving in droves, okay? Um, they can't get nurses to stay at the bedside anymore because they're going to grad school and furthering their education to get out of that role. And of course, it's its own headache. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing that a lot of times um, nurses don't realize that getting an NP isn't necessarily going to make their life that much better because believe me, physicians are burned out left and right. Nurse practitioners are burned out left and right. The answer is for us all to be treated better and right. for systemic changes to happen. Right. And I, I just, I feel physicians need to be at the helm of this. Shannon, tell the us education your, has to account for something, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Shannon, tell us your thoughts about the DNP degree. You, you uh, mentioned that you talked to some of your professors at Georgetown about that. Um, yes, I, I, I did. And without mentioning any names, but, um, and not just professors at Georgetown, I've, I've actually spoken to numerous professors about this. Um, some of these online DMPs are just, um, yeah, they're not at the standard of which someone should be graduating with a doctorate degree and calling themselves a doctor, first of all, because that's a whole other subject. But um, yeah, I, I will not be going for my DMP. I, I'm just not doing it. And there, there is a big push to do this. And I feel that this is to undermine um, both the PAs and uh, physicians. Um, they, you know, the nursing community feels that there's a lot more power to be gained by having more doctor prepared nurses. There's benefits of it, but ultimately 
the push was for nurses to all have their bachelor's degrees and all these nurses have gone into debt with no increase in their pay. Same for nurse practitioners, there's this push, get your doctorate, get your doctorate. I, I'm already over 200,000 in debt for my student loans. I'm wow. not doing this. Wow. You know, they're, they're pushing degrees, degrees, degrees. If I do go back, it's going to be for my PhD. I, I wanna do in-depth research um, th this is just non-existent in some of these diploma mill schools. So hopefully by you getting, going public, telling your story and being a voice of some of the nurse practitioners who can't speak out, hopefully this will help move change in the right direction because I know there are many that agree with you. Do you feel that there's any way that you can get the message out to the leadership of nurse practitioners or what can be done to make positive change? It's really difficult to have a voice because they're going to take it personal and I'm gonna be ostracized for sure. But um, I, I, I think that nurses ultimately feel um, a lack of power. And this is where a lot of lateral violence comes into play. This is where um, what we're seeing right now is a profession that's buying to be heard and have power. They're just going about the right way. Ultimately, I have to consider what to do next. Um, I know that I really can't watch my profession keep on down this path. I'm embarrassed. Uh, you know, I, I meet physicians all the time. The first thing they ask me, where did you go to school? And they have a list. I have one that I just met last week that has a list of schools that he will not hire an MP from because they're online diploma mills and they're known to be that. Um, and ultimately, you know, we have to hold ourselves accountable for this. Um, I know recently um, one of the largest uh, nurse practitioner associations was actually marketing one of these diploma mill schools. Wow. Um, yes. So I, I'm rather appalled by that. It, 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 we're better than this. That's the message I want to send across. Like, you know, if you want to go and, and practice medicine, because that's ultimately what we're doing. In the state of North Carolina, um, they say I practice advanced practice nursing, um, but I'm also governed by the North Carolina Medical Board. And what I'm doing ultimately, I'm practicing medicine. I'm diagnosing, I'm treating diseases. You can call it what you want advanced practice nursing, but regardless, you are responsible for the care of these patients. You cannot go to school and take open book tests and think that you're gonna put on a long white coat and care for these patients adequately. Are, you seeing, are you seeing harm from this in your own work? And I mean, not asking you details, I just mean, are you seeing some of the negative impact directly? I haven't seen too much negative impact yet because I haven't seen them practicing really yet, but I've been very worried about what I saw in some of my clinical rotations. Well, I think it's a good thing that in North Carolina, both the Board of Nursing and the Board of Medicine are able to kind of keep an eye on nurse practitioners. That's not the case in most states. In most states, just the Board of Nursing 
and you wonder how they're able to supervise so many different uh, nurses and nurse practitioners, it seems like maybe other states should follow what North Carolina is doing. Um, I would think so. And, and the catch 22 with this too, and this kind of goes on to physicians as well, is in my state, a nurse practitioner or a PA can own a practice. You can own it. You have to have a supervising physician though. But the supervising physician may not be present, but four times a year. So I find that to be concerning, um, that that is allowed as well. Um, if we're going to supervise MPs, we need to look at it from that angle too. The physicians that are um, making a rather nice income supervising some of these APP-owned clinics are going to have to step it up as well and ultimately play a part in reviewing these charts and being a part of the clinic. You're 100% right. And in fact, in our book, we call out physicians who are not properly supervising and, and we call it uh, treating nurse practitioners as their own personal cash cow in the book, because there are physicians that are not doing the right thing when it comes to supervision. And that needs to stop. But we know from studies that when nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and physicians work closely together. And that usually means working on-site, one-on-one, as much as possible, that patients get great care. But when you lose track of that model and you no longer have direct supervision, instead you have this loose collaboration or nothing at all, then that's when patients can really uh, get into danger. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not offended of having to be supervised. I would never put myself or the patients in that position. I, I have not had the training where I am ready to graduate from a two-year program with a terminal degree and no residency to be alone. I, I, there's just no way. I'll admit that. And I'm an astute clinician. I, I was an astute critical care nurse for 10 years. I've given great care to patients. I don't find any shame in that. It is the level of my training. And I received good training. I, I, I don't think that that belittles my cognitive abilities or anything. I'm not a minion. I don't just follow algorithms or anything like that. And MPs are great. It's just we have a limit of our training in such a short time. We completely agree with you. Absolutely. What you're saying, we, it resonates, I think, with both of us. Absolutely. And like I was saying, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel a little nervous, despite as much as, as I know. And I think you're right. It speaks to um, understanding yourself better and just really knowing your limits. And that's unfortunately what someone who doesn't have, has perhaps never seen something go wrong or seen someone uh, get really, really sick. They, they have a certain level of hubris that's really dangerous. And we don't see that as much in people who have real life experience like you do and other uh, nurse practitioners and physicians who have had that chance to really uh, see the worst case scenarios. It gives you a lot more respect for treating what things that seem really minor, but actually could turn out to be a life-threatening situation. Absolutely. Can I ask you why you went back to become a nurse practitioner? Like um, what's something that you've really enjoyed and loved about working? in that part of the field once you finish school? Um, I, you know, honestly, <laughs> I, I would have a lot of physicians come up into the ICU and they would say, oh, Dr. Shannon. And I was always, I, I, I studied 
and I spend an enormous amount of time, my own free time learning and going to extra classes and trying to be at the very top of my practice. And I was limited as a nurse and I, I really loved medicine. Absolutely loved it. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to medical school. Why not? And did all my pre-med and I don't know. I just, I, it just occurred to me that I was just too old to want to do this, to actually go through with it. And I felt that being an MP was the closest thing I could get to being able to expand my horizons and practice medicine per se. So we want to thank you for your, your work that you've put in your dedication to patient care and patient safety, and also your bravery in speaking out about really what is unfortunately a controversial subject, but it's so important that we talk about it. So thank you, Shannon, so much for joining us. I want to thank thank you, you, my co-host, Naran, and I will encourage all of you, if you'd like to learn more about the changes in our healthcare system, please get our book. It's called Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare, available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And if you're a physician and you'd like to learn more about proper supervision and about uh, the physician's role in making the system better, I encourage you to join Physicians for Patient Protection, our website, physiciansforpatientprotection.org. Thank you all so much.